Thanks for tuning in to Left Jest. Anders Lee here, live from Punk Alley. Um, this is our second episode of 2017. It's a bad year so far. Uh, but uh, I rang in the new year in Superior, Wisconsin. I got to MC a show out there. It was a lot of fun. And I got to meet my first Trump supporter. I'd never met a Trump supporter before. I've been living in New York for four years. Um, but uh, they had some interesting things to say. But uh, what was most interesting, I didn't really engage with them. I didn't say I was from uh, New York or anything. But what was most interesting is on the way back to my hometown of St. Paul, where my folks live, we uh, got off on the Dale Street exit on I-94. Minnesota listeners know what I'm talking about. And there is a um, a guy's house who lives there. He's been there for years. And he is a black conservative. I've never seen him, but he puts signs up. All the time, he has all these signs about the black conservative women carry. You should, like he he gives like classes for women to learn how to use guns and stuff. Um, and he had, has a new billboard. Uh, and this is, by the way, where the, the old Rondo neighborhood used to be in St. Paul, which was an African American neighborhood that was destroyed to make way for the highway. But uh, he has a new sign up that is uh, for black Trump supporters, and it's a hotline. And so uh, we're going to be talking about Trump today and, and the roots of Trumpism. And I, I was curious, so we're going to give this a call, see what he has to say. Thank you for calling LR Legal Services. I have a legal concern or calling about my gun class. Hold on. I am so tired of this doom, doom message for black people because of Donald Trump. We can use Trump policies to empower our lives, our families, start businesses, so much more under Trump policies. Listen to my org to listen online. You keep your phone number two times. You keep your phone number two times after the tone, your name, and your reason for calling. Wait for the tone. Talk clearly. Thank you for calling. Wowza. Mr. and Mrs. Tiger Jack Street, that is, uh, there used to be a candy store there, and now that's where that guy lives. So, uh, <laughs> we got, you guys want to start the show? Let's fucking do it. All right, you're listening to Left Jest. Spatak. We are through the looking glass, folks. Where's the broccoli? <laughs> we are joined today by uh, the broccoli-eating America's comic, John Field. Hi, I'm America's comic. He was eating... Oh, yeah, America's what? comic on t- Twitter. You were eating a plastic bag salad, I believe. What yeah, was in that? Uh, it had raw vegetables, it had celery, it had carrots, and it had broccoli. Get that broccoli! Broccoli's good for you. It's no I'm dressing. the broccoli he comic eats it now. With no dressing on that salad. I don't believe in condiments. I love it. And we're also joined by Sam Rose. Thank Hello. you for joining us from UFOlogy uh, Podcast. Okay. Check it out. SoundCloud, iTunes. The ET expert. Yep. Uh, UFOlogy.blueberry.com. 
Mm. Wherever you get your podcasts. A lot of different greens and blues you here today. You can also find them on Twitter at America's Comedy. I'd yep, like to absolutely. point out some incredible developments here in the podcast. Mostly, all of us are talking at the same time <laughs> with four fully functional microphones. Mm-hmm. Everyone clap. Please clap. Good. Well, it's hard to do that while you're holding a microphone. No, that was good. Everybody hit your head on your microphone. Three, two, one. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wish that was a gag. That actually kind of hurt. They, they have cushions on that. You're using the K-Piss house microphones. We're using the two that we just that Alex just purchased. Uh, which I'm talking into a clown's nose right now, and I'm loving it. They got, yeah, they got yeah, the... Yeah, we brought uh, that from Ed. <laughs> yeah. those, are, those are some classic, like... NBA on NBC microphones with the red <laughs> puffiness. Um, but we are talking today about we're, we're about a week to go. This is when we're uh, uh, we should have this out on Monday, right? So yeah. it's going to be we have now a little over a week before the world is going to be changing definitely for the worse. Um, Donald mm-hmm. Trump's going to be president. The last penguin will die. How did we get here? How did we get here, folks? And that's what we're going to be discussing today. Trumpism before Trump, huh? You like oh, that little? I think that's going to be a good title for the. That'll good. hook the the, uh, oh, sure. I the had, news junkies in it. It'll you know, get you into the algorithms, which is um, algorithms, John. Really important. Algorithms are very different than algorithms. It's like anti and uh, it's the antithesis of an algorithm. Uh, Anders, uh, did you did you have any more intro before? Because I had a, a, a place to take this. Uh, we're going to be talking about today specifically uh, when we talk about Trumpism before Trump, militant groups in America. Yes. And there is no better way to understand uh, these people. Like anyone who's wearing camouflage uh, past the first part of the woods. <laughs> <laughs> these are the people you're talking about. And almost universally, all the, all the modern uh, versions of these people have been inspired by the Turner Diaries mm-hmm. in America. Uh, classic literature. I did not know what this was until this week, and what a week it's been. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Turner Diaries, I'm just going to read the wiki quote uh, summary right here. A 1978 short story by William Pierce, the late leader of the white nationalist organization, the National Alliance, depicting a successful overthrow and subsequ- subsequent of the United States and subsequent genocide committed by the revolutionary movement known as the organization. So it's the white genocide book Mm -hmm. and uh, not in the bad way that they don't like, but in the good way, like the whites kill everyone. (laughs) Did that come out weird? It came out weird. It's a weird, it's a tricky topic and that's why we're tackling it here today. Really amazing how they predicted the rise of the green party. (laughs) Yeah, that's nuts. Uh, Have you seen the cover of that book? Yeah. It's terrifying. What's the cover? Uh, it sounds I've been reading. We the should quotes. make that. We'll the make that the terrifying. image for the. Uh, if I'm if I'm remembering it correctly from like uh, this thing I watched on the History Channel when I was like 14, it's like this black and white uh, uh, cover of or a black and white picture of some dude wearing a beret with a gun, and it's just very scary to me. Oh uh, yeah, I mean you should read the book. I was going over this long quote about uh, the chapter where they start okay. stringing people up from lamp posts. Ooh. And it's all like it had to be done to the race traders, and they all were professors at UCLA, <laughs> <laughs> which makes me think the author just had a beef with like one guy at UCLA once. It was like, oh, and then him and all his friends were strung up by the glorious pure Milky Men. Well, he didn't get in; he had to go to a safety school, UC Santa Cruz. Ooh. That's probably what's going on here. 
the quality of writing is definitely UC Santa Cruz. <laughs> yeah, shots fired, shots bitch. Shots fired. <laughs> Boom. So that was 1978. We got the Carter years, and then um, Reagan comes in 1980, and he's thought of generally as being the hard right president, right? He's lionized by American conservatives. Um, but what uh, it's very interesting to look back and read what people were saying. There was a lot of dissatisfaction on uh, the right with Reagan. Um, that's when he, he actually started cracking down. He wouldn't wear the cowboy hat in office. Right. He, he t- they made like him he take it off. Before. Or he would take it off before he went to the Oval Office. He, <laughs> he wore, made, yeah. He made that monkey Secretary of Treasury. That was a problem. Um, but he, uh, well, yeah, Federal Reserve, a lot of fiat money going on in the Reagan administration. Uh, the the hard right, not a fan of the Federal Reserve. It's a jungle out there. Indeed. Uh, but they, so, so they um, w- would crack down a lot on these uh, militant groups and whatnot, which uh, ended up in, the, by creating a vacuum, kind of, or, or this is what uh, some of the paleoconservatives said. So that was like a kind of a new movement during the 80s, this, this paleoconservatism where it's like, let's not focus on international developments let's not like focus on foreign policy and stuff like that let's not get involved in the middle east or any of that stuff let's focus on america let's tighten our borders you know let's get get true more true to our heritage because and i think that's true of uh neoconservatives and neoliberals alike it's like they're all about um you know uh sort of get a progressive like image you know that they don't want to be associated with, uh, um, you know, old white people necessarily. And the right? other thing about paleoconservatives is they only eat what a caveman would eat, <laughs> which is very hard to do in today's society when everything's so processed. That's true. You know, they eat their plastic bag salads. Now, uh, Anders, <laughs> but baby, but I wanted to mention, bring up first Pat Buchanan, right? Who worked in the Nixon administration, worked in the Reagan administration, was just like a speechwriter. Um, and he, his he, he he wrote the bars. He's the hit maker behind Reagan. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he was like his producer, and then he went full Kanye and decided to uh, go off on his own, create his own Pink career. Pink backpack, exactly. He uh, stunting photos. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we he uh, his in '86, I believe. Um, he was in the Reagan administration. He was right, and he actually. Went after he he uh, criticized Reagan for being too like Jew friendly. Yeah, I, that's one of my biggest criticisms <laughs> of Reagan. <laughs> like, and that's and that I mean, not a just an observation. A lot of neoconservatives are of Jewish extraction, mm-hmm. um, as are a lot of people and in, just involved in politics. A lot of uh, all kinds of Jews out there, guys. Yeah, go go so, meet some. Right, there's they've got plenty of. Um, diverse opinions my uh, girlfriend's jewish and she's in a militia <laughs> <laughs> one but, of those statements was a lie tune in <laughs> to find out which yeah but he was he got he was associated with a lot of uh oh yeah he didn't want to um g- uh, he didn't want reagan to meet with jewish groups he didn't want to meet with soldiers who were recognizing the holocaust and stuff like that is this explicitly stated like he there's no cover for this he just no well he <laughs> says he's this is a quote from pat buchanan when he was going to like meet with uh 
uh, some Jim groups, he says, we cannot give the perception of the president being subjected to Jewish pressure, that infamous Jewish pressure. <laughs> That's very interesting. Doesn't Jewish he pressure... He denied that, though. He denied that. He said, uh, I didn't say okay. it. Eli Weissel was, wasn't even in the meeting. The meeting was held three weeks before the Bitburg summit was held. If I had said that, <laughs> it, it would have been out there within hours and on the news. Eli Weissel was actually still on the train on the way there. Ooh. Yep. Hot takes today, guys. <laughs> Hot takes. Uh, I'm not... So, Reagan was was too lenient. No, he's too hard on the militant groups. Is this in reference to 1984 group The Order? It may be. Yeah, he was pretty tough on them. I tried to like read up on this. One of the biggest groups is called The Order, and they're based off the organization from the book I was talking about before. Mm-hmm. Uh... And they fucking were not playing around. They did bank robberies. They started with a sex shop. And then uh, they did bank robberies. And they would give the money to white power groups. And then they got cracked down on after they murdered journalist Alan Berg. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. So, you know, once the media gets involved. This is another example. I mean, wasn't Timothy of- McVeigh's bombing, like, explicitly written out in that book? Like, isn't it... Oh, maybe. Didn't it yeah, he was a big... I haven't gone through the whole thing cover to cover like I, yet. I feel like I remember uh, them saying, like, that, like, what he did, that bombing of a federal building, was explicitly laid out, like, word for word in that book. Yeah. What a great thing, freedom of, uh, of expression is, <laughs> <laughs> where you could just lay out a uh, full blueprint for this kind of stuff. McVeigh was... Yeah, he was a big fan of the Turner Diaries, Um it all comes back to Jews in all of this. A lot of it, yeah. It's they really are afraid of Jews. This I mean, perception. We are terrifying. Where do you think I understand that. That comes from. I was about to ask. <laughs> I didn't like I understand where anti-Semitism kind of comes from in terms of like maybe it's a deviant of tribalism and that, you know, that you would need an us and a them in order to kind of keep your uh perspective straight and so there has to be a patsy, but this whole weird Jews are running the world. Like, they refer to the USA as the ZOG, the Zionist oh, Occupist yeah. Government. Mm. Th- that's more than just, like, uh, an other. That's, like, the other. That's, like, right. these people have ruined everything yeah. for everybody. <laughs> and that's, I mean, my opinion on it is that there are a small group of people who s- control the way the economy is structured, to control... Uh, the machinations of mm-hmm. the American state. Tell them, uh, tell them, Anders. Yeah, but they're not they're not all Jews, mm-hmm. you know. And a lot of Jews are not are oppressed by those things. So there is an elite that has power, and a lot, of, and they're and that's the other thing. They're not they don't think of themselves as having their finger on the thumb of the world. They don't. They really don't. From what really? I get, I, obviously I'm not in any elite circles, but like. I don't think they think of You're themselves part of as this rulers. Program. Except for this one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sam knows where I'm going with this. <laughs> we do control, yeah, a significant amount of propaganda being fed to the Bernie bots um, <laughs> in America. Uh, We're the arms dealers of the information war. Right. And what's what's interesting about that, too, is they conflate the, their new world order, these people who control um, the governments and the economy and such. They can they conflate that with Marxists and socialists. Yeah. Which, like... I think we're doing pretty well. We have four microphones now. (laughs) (laughs) We're really coming up. I think soon we could manipulate the World Banks. It could, yeah. Uh, Soon? I mean, not, like, tomorrow, but, you know, around the corner. I mean, why not tomorrow? I'm just busy tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) I don't don't know. I drank a lot last night. And, like, I was... 
Yeah, I don't Got a know. Lot of mics to do tomorrow. So yeah, a lot of mics. Friday night mics. <laughs> How did these sentiments get to? I, I mean. I think maybe we have to dig a little deeper in history, but just as a random guess, how did these sentiments get from 1980? And is there a difference between like anti-Semitism in America in 1940 and what we've been seeing, what we would see in 1980? In 1980. In 1940 in America. Yeah, I mean, like 1940 has like a certain. I mean, like, I uh, maybe I'm asking, what's the difference between like late 20th century anti-Semitism and early 20th century well, anti-Semitism. I think, I think um, early 20th century, uh, a lot of the anti-Semitism was kind of mixed in with just anti-immigrant sentiment. So yeah. you had my people, uh, the Irish, getting discriminated against, and they were kind of muddled together with Jews and, and Polish people, just Eastern Europeans. And, mm. and then Anybody the perception... Anybody can fit in the bottom yeah. level of a boat. Yeah. Right, yeah. And then post-World War II, the perception started to change a little bit that, you know... It's not that Jews were immigrants and not the traditional anti-immigrant sentiment. It was more like these people are in power. And it's easier to do that if you're in a rural American area where there aren't a lot of uh, self-identified Jews around. What I would say the difference is between 1940s anti-Semitism in America and 1980s anti-Semitism in America is uh, 1940s, it's kind of like everybody's drinking the Kool-Aid there uh, Mm. and the only... Um, thing like the 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 particularly i mean this isn't anti-semitism but it's racism the war on the pacific is almost entirely driven by racism against japanese people and if you look at the propaganda posters um from americans to uh japanese people in this time and like the japanese were being conversely just as racist back it's really weird looking at it but Mm -hmm. they're referred to like as the monkey horde and uh like they're a swarm of like if they're the zerg from starcraft right. they're like bug creatures it's very strange well yeah and it's a lot of very progressive Amer like american uh cartoonists and stuff like that and would be for civil rights they'd be you know in, uh in walt disney of, mm-hmm. well yeah and dr seuss who mm-hmm. uh was a cartoonist for uh someone in the armed services but he was, you know, very pro, like, African-American rights and stuff. But he wrote these, he would draw these terrible racist caricatures of Japanese people to stir up uh, pro-war sentiment. Yeah, because everyone was just working for the war. Right. I and was it just, was used yeah. to, and that's an, a very important point, too. It used to be a conservative right-wing position um, to say, let's stay out of war. Let's not get involved in the Second World War. Yeah. Um, Pat Buchanan... Is actually wrote a book saying that we should not have gotten involved in World War II. And so it was like the left wing was agitating for more war. Um, it's all right. You know what? It's very confusing to think about uh, when you take off, when you still try to think of it of a left to right thing. Yeah. Um, things are, yeah, you can't dichotomize. That's a terrible like. analogy that we're just stuck with for You're on and left jest. Yeah. yeah. So goddamn much. But to finish answering John's question, I feel like the difference between old racism and new racism in America is explicitly the uh, paranoid version of it that we're talking about here is relegated to like extreme fringe uh, groups, at least in the overt uh, conspiracy-minded ways. Okay, that's that's the who, but what's the what of that? Like, w- where would that anxiety come from? Why would it? Why is it inside of a rural community versus, say, um, any other community? I'm gonna give the simplistic um, millennial brochulist 
answer and say poverty, material conditions, yeah. drive, bigotry. And there's a lot more nuance to that. Uh, I don't think we... Well, then why Jews and not Ukrainians or... Yeah, it's, it's simpler, you know? Um, but we don't have to get into the Jewish question too much, but speaking of, ra- <laughs> speaking of racial... Um, That's really what this episode's turning into. And, uh, <laughs> Pat Buchanan, Patty B, 1992, he challenged... And this is, by the way, his sister, Bay Buchanan. I don't know what, who... I've never met anyone named Bay, but this when is... When Bay... Right, this is before the BA. Is warning about the black tribes she uh well she wanted (laughs) somebody to stand up to him she wanted somebody to stand up to the multicultural agenda during the reagan years um and that just so happened to be her brother pat buchanan so in 86 she was like what are the odds yeah she was like let's get a heart with this this is what she, she was like there's a vacuum to the right of reagan i don't know anyone who says that well i guess that's kind of what the tea party ended up being but because you know as the classic liberal observation goes uh reagan would be considered a liberal now but um classic yeah pat buchanan even when like trump never held elected office um but he still ran for president twice uh well three times actually but um in 92 he challenges a sitting president george hw um loses but he is credited for a lot of people with costing him the general election because he like divided uh, the conservatives and Perot ended up dividing them even more. But um, he, they let him on, they let him on stage at the RNC in '92, and uh, this is after he's runs this primary campaign where he's talking about very critical of uh, the U.S. involvement in the Gulf War, very critical of taxes, abortion. Um, the Republicans, he says, are not tough enough on. Their values are not being uh, strong enough on socialists, or um, and, and they're getting too involved in in globalism. So this is his culture war speech uh, from the '92 convention. This is right after the riots in Los Angeles, which of course had a, a very strong racial component to them. Um, this is Pat Buchanan, 1992. And these wonderful, and these wonderful 25 weeks of our campaign, the saddest days the days of that riot in L.A., worst riot in American history. But out of that awful tragedy can come a message of hope. Hours after that riot ended, I went down to the Army compound in South Los Angeles, where I met the troopers of the 18th Cavalry who had come to save the city of Los Angeles. The troopers came up the street. M16s at the ready, and the mob threatened and cursed, but the mob retreated because it had met the one thing that could stop it, force rooted in justice and backed by moral courage. You know, greater... Greater love than this Greater love than this hath no man than that he lay down his life for his friend. Here were 19-year-old boys ready to lay down their lives to stop a mob from molesting old people they did not even know. And as those boys took back the streets of Los Angeles block by block, my friends, we must take back our cities and take back our culture and take 
back our country. God bless you, and God bless America. Pat Buchanan, circa 1992. Um, he was maybe the biggest victim of the L.A. riots. <laughs> well, he got that speech out of it. Uh, was so he still running at that time? Or no, no. He, he had dropped out already. He had dropped out, okay. so that was kind of his tepid endorsement of Bush, which turned into the, 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 this pitchforks uh, <laughs> thing. But this, uh, so he, what a speech. not included in the clip, was this other section where he talks about the Democrats. He says, the agenda Clinton and Clinton wink wink would impose on america abortion on demand a litmus test for the supreme court homosexual rights no discrimination against religious schools women in combat units that's change all right but it's not the kind of change america needs it's not the kind of change america wants and it is not the kind of change we can abide in a nation we still call god's country um after which the the great the late great molly ivins wrote a pretty good had a pretty good uh, quip pretty good burn she says uh many people did not care for pat buchanan's speech it probably sounded better in the original german hello Ooh, oh got him <laughs> oh man What's the zings the never end that you're making here between buchanan and Trump? the militias oh the militias well the, the, he was kind of the political uh electoral articulation of a lot of their um, grievances, I would say. Oh, uh, yeah, the whole take back our culture, take back our cities, that's exactly... I mean, that's, you know, an incitement for... A lot of the people with the guns, though, didn't seem like they had any kind of faith in... Yeah, I'd imagine that you go anymore. to Waco, it, it walk up, it's like, how do you feel about Pat Buchanan? And then they... Because, I mean, every political extremist group is always so fraction, factional and uh-huh. whatever. It's like, oh, Pat Buchanan, he's a part of... Yeah, the problem, and I mean, obviously, he's saying stuff that rhymes with sentiments that the rhyming as a politician sure. is always very strong. Well, I think uh, rhymes uh, with the I mean sentiments that, that the militias would have. But yeah, in terms um, of going short, it'll is there definitely a line take you long. between the two of them? Well, yeah, I mean, it's this. I mean, like, I think with any politician who's at least kind of uh, running against the status quo, you have their supporters and then the movement they purport to. Um, are you kissing the microphone right now? Can I interject here, comment? John? Yeah. Uh, just for the sake of clarification for uh, the single mothers listening at home, would you uh, want to give a cheeky summary of the Waco event that seems like it has such an impact on everything here? Uh, it's David Koresh. He was a Branch Davidian, which is I'm gonna. This is off the top of my head. Uh, which is a will you make it cheeky? Branch of the Seventh Day mm. Adventist. Uh, they um, were stockpiling weapons allegedly by the U.S. government. I think that's true to a certain degree. Also, allegedly, they were fucking kids inside of that compound. This guy was like, uh, had multiple wives, yeah. and then you can't see it, but I'm pulling on my collar. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, there's multiple wives, and um, that led to a bunch of Bradley tanks and a standoff with, I believe, the ATF. ATF who were yeah. trying to obtain those weapons and uh, depending on who you believe uh, the F- the uh, ATF fired first fires and several people including innocent women and children died inside of the fire yeah and like, Pat Buchanan double digit numbers I think in the 60s right yeah. Pat Buchanan very upset about that very upset about other raids that have gone on even uh, after 9-11 there's been a couple mostly peaceful ones Timothy McVeigh, Oklahoma City bomber, right. also very upset about this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get to that in a second. But I just, I Ooh. mean, responding to your 
thing. I think there, yeah, there are people I'm sure who were not fans of Pat Buchanan, but like with any Paul, like you know Bernie Sanders, he doesn't few. frame things the way I frame things. He doesn't, you know. But I, <laughs> yeah, I think it'd help if you were old as all hell. <laughs> I think you guys might have more yeah, of a shared vocabulary. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like politicians are always going to talk in terms of elect. They're going to have a framework. And I'm now just imagining old Anders. That's. I mean, a lot of people say I sound aged already. <laughs> you but, sound uh, like 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 you're you're a father of four, though. You don't sound like you've like you're like over the hump. Thank you. You just sound like you're at your prime, is what I'm saying. Oh, good. You're a young, virile man, and you have you know broad shoulders that uh, this movement can rest on. I hope I become Continue? a grandpa. Um, basically, yeah. I mean, there are. There's politicians, and then there's the uh, movements, and they have different. You know, they're not going to go as far as the the uh, furthest fringe of the movement. Um, but uh, Waco, yeah. Before Waco, we had Ruby Ridge in '92, which happened under Bush, the first Bush. Yeah, not you, the Jews. No, no Jews. Juice. No juice. Ruby Ridge, grapefruit. So, um, anyways, yeah. what happened? <laughs> so, so there was a white supremacist, Randy Weaver who uh stock was stockpiling a bunch of weapons he got he was like this society's fucked up with all the multiracial and that's speaking of splits there are a lot of white supremacists who are very sympathetic to this but not everybody in the militia movement is a white supremacist if you look at waco actually a very multiracial group of people who were um, ultimately burned to death in the compound um but randy weaver not one of them he was the hardcore white nationalist gets his family to this like little house in Idaho, not a little house, a big house. And, uh, uh, the ATF raids it. They have a standoff. People try to negotiate. Doesn't end well. He ends up getting arrested. His wife is killed. A couple of his kids are killed. They end up getting a $3 million settlement a few years later, but this makes people really angry on the, on the, on the far right. So even if you're not a white supremacist, if you're sympathetic to the view of um, the paleoconservative movement, if you're sympathetic to the patriot movement and you're part of a militia, this is not, this is inciting you, right? This is an example of the federal government oppressing uh, dis- dissidents. And I think that is true. I mean, what they ignore is the way the federal government has, has you know, uh, conspired against the Black Panther Party, Socialist Workers Party, all these re- people on the radical left. Because that doesn't fit their crazy narrative exactly. at all. Which <laughs> yeah. even if you're not a white nationalist in these groups, you're like a walking uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle style villain. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> very strange radical libertarianism in uh, the most modern sense of the word of just convincing You've convinced yourself that there was a pure version of America that was somehow stolen away mm-hmm. by right. weird plutocrats you can't see, and you're just like angry at the darkness. Like the ravings that come out of these people are level 1,000 ravings. They are <laughs> top notch, uh, they cannot be replicated. We're going to get to some of those later in the show. Yeah. There's not a lot of academics who are. Of the the very very few academics are pale conservatives, um, I, I think that's the yeah, only. There's gonna be one over any any day now. <laughs> well, yeah, well maybe some of them, but like because they don't cite any actual if, facts. If they had or seen evidence. the files that these people have seen, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, something that's kind of floating above this is is who they're fighting against. 
these militias. I was watching the um, that Sam Hyde guy who's in charge of that million dollar clip show TV show. It's like he's like oh, a yeah. right comedian uh-huh. who had a show on oh, Million yeah. Dollar Extreme, the Adult Swim show. Yeah, and it got canceled. And uh, recently, like. Uh, Tim Heidecker has a live Facebook show and it's calling and Sam Hyde after his show got canceled he immediately called up Tim Heidecker and was very aggressive with him in a way that sounded uh, uh, hysterical like in the sense that it was just nonsense uh, I'll see if I can find a clip of that to yeah, play Yeah, and, and it's just very aggressive and he characterized this really apolitical guy like you don't hear any politics ever come out of Tim Heidecker's mouth he characterized him as a um, as a cuck who wants open borders and liberal, like, uh, he does have people fuck his wife in front of him, but that's where his politics (laughs) at. Uh, and like, I saw that, I I saw in that just this political reaction that I see in a lot of people in different stripes. And I think a lot in the militia is where, uh, a defeat happens in your life. And it gets really easy to personify something and to create a demon. There are demons out there in the world, but real demons are postmodern and sticky, and they're they're in weird gradients of gray, and they're not a face. The de- the demon is like your inability to share at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it's it's and so you know I think these people I think what's happening in a lot with militias is they're just. They're myth building in the way that, mm-hmm. you know, um, we've been doing for thousands of years, but it presents itself in a really weird and toxic way where, I mean, listen to what they say in their conspiracy theories. I mean, it's what's it's no more complex or convoluted than the Zeus story where which which has you know thousands of plot holes in his really? i love yeah. that story he yeah. has sex with so many different animals or usually he's as an animal, animal. yeah as yeah. a horse and then it's yeah. just like surprise this horse is gonna fuck you as his horse yeah. child yeah, yeah. Uh, i want i want to jump off here real quick and tie into one of our guests so i was searching for any connection these people could have to alien conspiracies. And I could not find any. When I Googled alien militia, that is a record label (laughs) for European electronic bands. And they have a lot of great stuff on there. Go check out alienmilitia.com. Shout out to alien militia. Uh, Sam, I don't don't know if you found anything. Um, Well, I mean, there's some, like, tangential connections just like the idea of a new world order is definitely something that gets tied into alien conspiracy oh yeah 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 right. the grays but sure or reptilians whatever you know the you know the anunnaki whatever you want to talk about it goes all the way to the top i mean but i think honestly what it actually what probably ties into this discussion a little bit better is the idea of uh nasa's project blue beam are you guys familiar with it no this? what is that close to blue book or no <laughs> no, uh, no uh yeah no it's <laughs> no it's, i was talking about like the never mind the kelly blue book no no the uh the blue book which is the government's study on ufos oh oh, oh um, i didn't know that i'm le- i'm well, learning let's, let's, and i'm probably not i thought maybe well no let's yeah. let's find out here um yeah. so there's a. Uh, uh, there's this uh, uh, Quebecois uh, investigative journalist back in the day who uh, died of a quote-unquote heart attack after he started uh, publishing about this idea, so we don't really know what Uh-oh. happened to him. But, mm. um, uh, so he, uh, this, uh, Serge Manast is, was his name, and he was really involved in like Masonic uh, um, uh, conspiracy theories, and he proposed this very, he published a book about it, and it's a very lengthy theory about uh, how NASA um, would... Um, 
or how NASA is attempting to, or they were attempting to in 1983 uh, for the year of 1984 uh, to uh, create a fake alien invasion uh, that would... Um, like the plot of Watchmen? Uh, I don't know. Have Do you know Watchmen? No. The, essentially, at least in the comic book, the end of it is it's all a big ploy to trick everybody. So the main villain drops a nuclear bomb on New York. Sorry mm-hmm. about the Watchmen spoilers, by the way, guys. <laughs> Be sure to listen to our Watchmen coverage episode. Uh, but uh, they drop an atom bomb in New York and then like put a big squid thing on top of it. And then everyone is at the same time is supposed to go, oh, the squid things, and then unite and thus yeah. diffuse the nuclear tensions. Oh, okay. And so it's a like uh, tale of good or evil. Similar. Uh, so what, what the idea... So there's it's like a three or four step process this project Bluebeam. the first is to uh, discredit all archaeological findings in order to sort of uh uh sort of and you're a phd student in archaeology, in archaeology yeah uh basically to sort of uh, reframe the way everybody looks at the past right so that's the first step the second step is to project these holograms into the sky um that would speak every language on earth in order uh to make everybody believe that they are seeing and being spoken to by their own god whoa oh yeah yeah and then i have uh, holograms like that around so then, right, exactly. Then they would all converge, and then so the ultimate goal is essentially to create a one-world religion. Oh, so, and then and uh, based around, according to Serge Manasse, based around uh, what he called the Antichrist. So, uh, that's that's project. The world Bluebeam. religions based around the Antichrist. Yeah, I guess so. Damn. So it's just like. Lie. <laughs> the fossils say to lie. Yeah, it's a it's a, a very interesting uh, it's a very interesting theory in my from my perspective. And you know, anytime you know, I talk about UFOs on a weekly basis, and so you know, every, for a very long time, anytime someone saw something in the sky, um, you know, uh, they would attribute it to this Project Bluebeam. Damn. Not being an actual UFO, but being a government, like a conspiracy, a government conspiracy. Yeah, we'll count it. Yeah, it's pretty hey, good. Hey, I'll count it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's some wild shit. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is interesting how much of this um, delves into the spiritual and uh, this, you know, religious uh, tradition and, and uh, things of that nature. Of course, um, basically, a lot of this is the freedom to have these fringe ideas. So it's like, you know. They believe if you're a white supremacist, that's okay. If you're a kind of a kook like David Koresh, that's okay. You know, I don't know of, I don't think people like Pat Buchanan were necessarily defending everything Koresh did. Mm-hmm. Um, who he's a, but he is a, an interesting figure in the way he kind of like that. You know, um, was able to draw people into his uh, cult. With his his charisma and stuff like that, he believed he was like the second coming of Christ. I, be, I think David Koresh, you mean? Koresh, yeah. yeah I think you're talking about Buchanan. Buchanan. Buchanan charisma, man. <laughs> he just turns it on and the panties He's, drop. He is like Trump without the charisma. They have a lot of the same viewpoints. But I was thinking about how funny of a comparison it is because this guy can form a sentence, right? Right. To carry his like lo- lun- lunacy through, whereas Trump He's, is just yeah. like the Jews, folks. They're bad. If you took all of the scattered ramblings of Donald Trump and tried to turn them into some cohesive ideology, that's what Pat Buchanan is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Koresh, I don't he, even think I don't even think you could. No, yeah, <laughs> well, not all of them, just yeah. most of them, or some of them, <laughs> the more uh, recent ones, like, more, a, yeah. like a clip show of the things he says, right. to fit an idea. Koresh, um, in the '80s, he's like a failed musician. 
and he gets involved uh, with the Seventh-day Adventists. He's a Baptist for a little while, and he ends up uh, talking to his minister, and it, come, it dawns on him one night. He has this revelation, and he says to his minister, look, I, I know this is weird. I just talked to God. He wants, I, I, again, this is kind of awkward to bring up to you, but he wants me to marry your 15-year-old daughter. Yeah, and the minister um, didn't take it so well. He gets kicked out of the church, still manages to uh, charm her. Nice. And impregnates her and starts his own little thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But this, but see, that seems like, okay, this guy is uh, like a creepy perv. Um, in all fairness <laughs> to him, there was a he really did believe he what he his, he was in deep. I don't think he was a cynic because in the, in the girl that too. I mean, I don't know the ugh, I don't really want to think about it, but uh, he <laughs> he um, he was in deep with this stuff because when he started his own church, he ends up saying to uh, one of the 65-year-old female members that he has to impregnate her. From He also has to have a child with her. They try to do it. doesn't work out. I like that this is a man who gives himself challenges, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's never taken the easy way to anything. Right. Anyway, he's so he gets uh, in trouble with the ATF because he's started this compound. Again, a lot of um, people of color in the compound. There's African-American, Asian-American people. Uh, it's a great it, compound. Yeah, I love a compound. Right. Yes. I mean, he's leading it in a pretty fucked up way, but it is. <laughs> it do, it's like you know. It's just nice to be in a compound for once. Right. I would take it. You know. Get out uh, of your apartment. Go to a compound. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But he um get they get the uh, ATF involved. There's this huge standoff. You know, as John said, they end up. Uh, nobody really knows who started the fire. Was not Billy Joel, but. Um, <laughs> It burns down, 80 people die, really makes this uh, patriot movement mad. The far right is inflamed yet again. We have these two drastic examples of government coercion. Uh, Ruby Ridge and Waco inspires Timmy, little Timmy McVeigh to, to who was there at Waco. He was hanging out outside the... Uh, he was there? He was in like he wasn't in the compound, but like the, when the with the stand when the standoff was happening, there was a media circus, and there was also a lot of supporters of not necessarily again not necessarily of the the uh, Branch Davidians, not of their religious views necessarily, but of their right to live in peace. So you had Timothy McVeigh showing up. He was part of the militia movement. He was there with his truck. Like, yeah, don't go, don't. Uh, don't. This is a great compound. Yeah. Let him be. It's a circus out here. Let him be. You know, that's the basic premise of a lot of this stuff. And uh, that's kind of... I think his message is love <laughs> when you come down to it. I um, I look at the militia... I can't remember where I got this from. Like, maybe something I read or just in conversation with a friend. Uh, when I look at the militia movement, I, I think I apply a lot of stuff to, like, just uh, that... Like, just end of history kind of comes up a lot, or just how I interpret a lot of... I think a lot of what's in the background of our aesthetics and the events of our lives are informed by the bigger ideology of the world. Okay, let me put it like this. Is the... End of history came in 1992. The Cold War ended, so we lost our ideology. By the end of history, that's oh, yeah. the Fukuyama book about yeah. how no more Soviet Union 
capitalism. Uh, I'll put it like this. Uh, this guy, uh, his Heigl or Higgel or whatever Hegel. his name is, he defines history as a conflict of ideologies. Mm-hmm. And then so the end of the Cold War comes and there's the capitalism wins. So uh, we're no longer in history anymore. We're at the end of history. And that's what people call that era. And it was like a weird, sticky kind of era. And I think it you see that stickiness manifest in a lot of different ways, like culturally in wrestling. I always like to use this example. I think I brought it up in your podcast before, like no longer is the ideological other, the bad guy, the Russian, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin, this badass uh, anti-hero. Yeah. You see that also, that same sort of just like weird, nervous energy uh, in the militias as they manifest themselves, where the ideological other is no longer the uh like another country it's the country itself and i think is just some right-wing little pockets started to just cannibalize on top of america and i don't know where that comes from but i mean it's just you see just just the way that you'll talk to your friend and they'll be really anxious and you just kind of pick up on you know the fact that their eyes are shaking too much i think that's the same thing here is like there's like a lot of anxiety coming from somewhere. And I just on another note, um, not to use this word again, but um, sticky. Uh, I think that a lot of, I guess, the structure of these militias kind of rhymes with what we were seeing in left wing politics in the 1960s, where you have oh, yeah. SDS. Um, Oh, give me the other one. Weather Underground. Which is a branch, off branch of SDS. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when you were talking about at the beginning, um, that one white nationalist organization, at the same time, I think it was called the Prairie Fire. Uh, it's basically Weather Underground ended, and then those people who are still a part of it, who are still radical, kind of founded a new organization. They were robbing banks at the same time mm-hmm. that these. Uh, it was a good time to rob banks. Yeah, white nationalists were happening. It's just, I think that's an interesting parallel. I can't extrapolate any further point from that but i think i think that's uh something that needs to be brought up when we're talking about white nationalists and just talk about not left wing right wing but what is the politics of this is like why are these bodies behaving in this way yeah i mean when you let when you let these people actually go on at length they always have the hook that sounds good and almost like sympathetic from a left-wing perspective of we need organized communities and people who look after each other and uh you know social responsibility and then it's like and that's why everyone should uh have to be baptized or else or something uh they have like the hook and then the sharp turn you know what it is i i kind of see it like it's it's um uh i I, there's a lot of pressure in my life and I feel controlled and I feel like I don't have a lot of power. I so just you should give the power to me. Like that's the flip. It's just like, yeah, it, it's, it's, that's where sounds that that's the devil's deal is just like, I mean, you see it in all those survivalists is like, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta uh, outpace the apocalypse, and I'll be the one who'll be in charge of this. And I get a <laughs> only my the, ATV. I, I, I get the choice the of all the women. <laughs> like that's, uh, that's where power is. What is interesting? One of my call back to Kanye. One of my f- uh, most one of th- something I find fascinating is this ten year or so. Yeah, ten years exactly. Period where they were like looking you're kind of bouncing back and forth between others because it's you know after the russians and then before muslims so for i mean the constant there is black teenagers were a big one 
But you also had, for a while, after Columbine, white teenagers, you know, the trench coat mafia. Marilyn for, Manson. Marilyn Manson, yeah. You had uh, aliens, you know, at the government. There, there was a rise in, uh, you, uh, you're talking about ufology, and it ties to something else. I can't remember what we mentioned earlier, but the rise of New Age and yeah, uh, hippie, crystal, crunchy granola. Uh, beliefs as well, which is just as incomprehensible as say the ter- what the Turner Diaries tries to interpret the world as. Well, now you can merge those the hippie crystal crunchy stuff it, with you know government conspiracies and things like this, right? You have this guy, <laughs> you have this guy, uh, Doctor Stephen Greer. Uh, he's the head of the Disclosure Project, and he does this thing where um, it's a uh, uh, collective meditations with crystals and things like that out in the desert with his you know with his followers, and they. Um, they encourage contact with extraterrestrials, you know, through this collective meditation, right? So that's like one of, that's his like hippie uh, crystal sort of thing. But then on the other hand, he has this project where, uh, you know, he's getting all these government, uh, ex-government officials and ex-military officials to talk about disclosure of UFOs and things like that. And so there's this like, to, to because to, for the ultimate goal of saying that, yes, that we have been in contact with uh, extraterrestrials and that they are giving us these technologies that they're keeping from the public. For example, like they have, they they are, they're saying that there uh, are technologies that the government has that are you know sustainable energies and things like that, but they're keeping them from the public in order to re- uh, keep us uh, you know dependent on fossil fuels and things. Where like do that. you think all those teens got those hoverboards, man? That's what I'm saying. It goes all the way to the top. The other thing with Stephen Greer and the Disclosure Project is that he sets these hard deadlines, and then mysteriously <laughs> they get just they a- just move back six months. Every six months, <laughs> we're like, on the verge. That's like every doomsday cult. Like you know, like go back to like 19th century. Right. It's just like, hey, end of the world's coming in three months, and then it happens. You're like, all right, I had a vision last night. It's kind of <laughs> weird. I didn't mention it because I didn't want to disappoint anyone. But it's gonna end twice yeah. in three months. <laughs> Well, we do have like a minor doomsday coming up um, next week. Uh, <laughs> I love hearing tie-ins. Yeah, just in general, it's my favorite part of any. Pretty thing. good segue, right? Yeah, yeah that's good. good. But good we got it. thank Fantastic. you. Uh, but we got you know, of course, after Oklahoma City. Well, we yeah, Oklahoma City, of course, a big um, uh, event in this whole uh, topic. You know, Timothy McVeigh, inspired by these two atrocious uh, governments. Um, aggressions, bombs, the federal building, building Alfred Murrah federal bur- building. Wow, I can't talk all of a sudden. In mm. Oklahoma City, kills a lot of people, kills a lot of kids, and he actually compares them to stormtroopers in Star Wars. All the people, all the innocent people who died. They were uh, strong kids. Well, yeah, they were from Oklahoma. They're Sooners, but yeah. uh, they still did not last. Of course, very sad. Uh, but that, in a lot of ways, kind of makes it so the political system has to respond to this. They have to, in some sort of way, say, all right, we got to take this seriously. And that's kind of similar to what's happened with Trump. I mean, now he's giving a press conference as the president. It's like, like I couldn't even watch, I didn't watch the whole thing, but no, it's I like, <laughs> this This could be, like, which of this do you mine for the highlights to make fun of on The Daily Show? It's all like, absurd. Yeah, yeah. Um, I and, didn't even have to watch it just because yeah. it was just like, no, 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 crazy ramblings. No, yeah, I got I it. <laughs> as soon as I heard you said he say you've, you're fired, then it's oh, like... He ended it with, he ended it with <laughs> yeah, you're fired. Like, that's... This yeah, he, he has just stacks of, of files and stuff next to him. Did they ever, He loves props. He's a prop boy. So, yeah. And the, he, the amount of times he... Um, 
refer to uh, accidentally refer to the country as a company was <laughs> yes they're similar words i'll give them that yeah but it donnie just... we'll get you on the show <laughs> donnie showbiz but uh we so this is after the um oklahoma city bombing you had the mission the uh, excuse me montana militia called into the senate they had to testify and this is another great youtube uh K-hole. yes exactly a gem yeah, yeah, a gem so, of the content minds. Right, you had Norman Olson, who, um, and, and this is an example of they're really, really um, quick to say we're not racist. They bring a black guy with them. They're like, <laughs> we're not. Uh, we don't believe in in some of the far, the uh, racist elements in the militia movement. But this is uh, Norman Olson and his buddies being questioned by the Senate. This is back in 1995, post Oklahoma They're just trying to explain. They're just like, what the hell? is going on like they have to they, they they are forced to confront it the senate um and so this is this testimony in an interview with the los angeles times on april 21st you said that the you told the associated press uh, that the american government has created weather tampering techniques so that the new world order will be able to starve millions of americans and to control the rest would you explain what you were trying to say? Well, it, it, what I was trying to say is exactly what I said. There is weather control techniques. We have a complete package on that, which I did not bring, but I certainly will see to it that it is brought in for the record. Number one, the entire patents on the equipment. Number two, Senator Claiborne Pell's complete statement and story of his own that not only does it exist, but that we even utilize it as far back as the Vietnam War. You might want to touch base That's with right, Senator but I, I just want to repeat Speaking. before so, I turn to So yes, yeah, yeah, so but we do have all that information. That you're saying the government has created weather tampering techniques so that the quote, new world order will be able to starve millions of Americans. Worldwide. Millions of Americans and to control the rest. Yes, sir, and that's my belief. As bizarre as that sounds, when if somebody had told me that that equipment even existed 10 years ago, I would have thought they were nuts, sir. And at this point in time, we have all the documents to prove it. And if you think that 85 tornadoes takes place in the middle of our growing area by simultaneous accident, I'm, I'm sorry. With the equipment that's already set up internationally, and as bizarre as that is, it is proven and documented. We will supply you with those documents. As bizarre as that is, I would say that weather wars, and this is uh, quoting actually Senator Claiborne Pell himself, that they are the greatest weapon ever created in the world, and that's the Senator's own statement. So, yes, I do stand on that. Thank you, Mr. Fletcher. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. All right, so the government is controlling weather patterns. We have that, and of course, it's easy to dismiss that if it's you're about the Constitution. Yeah, if right, and if you, that's you can just say it's about the Constitution. That's my belief, and people can laugh at that, right? Like you don't know the Constitution, you don't know what you're talking about. Let's talk about the serious thing, and then this bubbles up, and I mean, I'm just sharing my own take on it, and then this kind of feeds into. Trump, right? You have eventually this um, movement, this uh, group of people who are, they are being marginalized, like rightly so in a lot of ways. <laughs> They're being appropriately marginalized. Yeah. Well, so, but some <laughs> of the, like, in the margins. Yeah, but some of it is. shoot less people. Well, yeah, but, but the, I mean, if you look at the way 
Um, the government responded to the Oregon standoff recently, which a lot of people were pointing out. They were like, hey, if they were black, uh, this wouldn't have gone down the same way. True, but also there is a history there of the government being a little too aggressive with far-right militia groups. Um, but I guess for the point I'm, I'm trying to get to in summation, I just licked my lips there. There's a really gross sound over the <laughs> headphones. I got it. <laughs> Oh, oh God! That, in all fairness, I'm looking the interior. It's like Job of the Hut moving down a hallway. I'm not even wearing headphones. <laughs> yeah, I I can't share this with people. I'm <laughs> editing that out. Let's leave it. That should be the one of our new theme songs. Just instead okay, the of the title of the song. episode will be like. Oh, I can't even do. It. Jesus Christ! That's what I would do if I was called to testify in the Senate. <laughs> I would just. Well, uh, Senator. Oh, uh, stop doing it. <laughs> okay, we got we got to wrap this up. Uh any uh, any last thoughts we got from like our beloved 10 minutes? Oh, yeah, we want to record an intro. Okay. Uh but for at least a few minutes. So Trump, what's the deal with that? Hello. Uh <laughs> Has anybody seen this guy? I mean, I wanted a president, not a a, a dunce. Yeah. A big dunce. <laughs> Is there a line in the way that is there a line between Buchanan and the what is a line? All right, so Buchanan, me the line between Trump and the militias. It's like six, so Buchanan. That very easy to dismiss. At first, he um, is proves to have a constituency, a strong constituency. He's able to win the New Hampshire primary in 1996. So he has to be taken seriously to an extent, but ultimately he's. Kind of, I mean, they, he's a pundit, but he is not representing a segment of opinion that is taken seriously by the Beltway, even though he's a part of it. He's he's like kind of a fringe guy. He kind of um, seems like Karl Rove by other means to I, me. I was talking yeah. about, though, is, is what's the connection between the militias and Trump? Well, that's what I'm getting to. Okay. So you have that. You have these things that are more or less dismissed as uh powerful political players right like there there's not a lot of people who who think that that is going to uh, result in any change from washington any change in the structure of the government then you have trump right who's treated the same way he's thought of even less seriously than buchanan um and this goes the uh republican party has had this faction to it for a long time that it's been able to manipulate and it's been able to get it involved by demonizing the left, but they don't actually adhere to a lot of the things that they want to do. And then you find you you get Trump who's like, he is talking about trade. He is talking about race, maybe not so, so much on this on abortion, gay marriage, but he's uh, speaking to this radical right that has been around for a really long time. And, um, then and by like you by manipulating it you eventually allow it to take over and take over the republican party and then we you know unfortunately take over the the federal government he's the anti-authoritarian candidate well he's at least in, in words he's well he's a he's pro-authoritarian he's anti-establishment I yeah think. that's a better right. yeah we did it we did it guys we drew yeah. the line that's good shots fired Come oh, at me, Nazis. Get in my mentions. <laughs> no one's in my fucking mentions. Uh, anyway, is that? I, I feel it's like there's something else. So you might have some other insights. Anyone else have another insight to add on that? On the quicker side. 
Uh, I just want to shoehorn in aliens one more time. I mean, we're Fuck talking yeah. we're talking about uh, climate, or we're talking about you know weather manipulation and things like that. I just want yes, to say we that are. for sure that was alien technology. Mm-hmm. Right. That's Where else would it say. come from? Yeah. Boom. It comes from the sky. Yeah. Johnny. Uh, I don't see. I see the militias being a smaller part of the history as Trump. Like, I don't see as strong of a line. I think maybe, I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's, that's just, I'm not, I'm not laughing at the opinion. I just feel like in conclusion, no, I don't agree. Well, I, <laughs> yeah, they've had their views like the alt, right? The militia has had their views and they're good. They have some like an articulation of their diagnosis. Picture wrong in with your the world. head what the, but what an alt right kid looks like and picture in your head what a militia. They're not the same. Like. Yeah. I'm not they're, saying they're yeah. the same. But they both have a f- a figure that they can attach their views they to. They have a shared ideal, right? Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, and so they can get they can use Trump, and that's the same way the the left could have used Bernie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we we failed. Um, so that's what we're stuck with, you know. And then the, all this 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 movement that wants to go a lot further than even what Trump talks about. They have their guy that they can, I mean, maybe hopefully he'll disappoint them, but um, they've succeeded from being kooks and uh, aggressors, um, <laughs> terrorists. They've gotten, uh, they've, I mean, and his support among the militia movement, you know, they, a lot of them didn't like Bush. They didn't like a lot of these mainstream conservatives, and now they found their guy, right? And that's who's in charge now. So we'll see what happens. Succeeded as kooks. Boom. <laughs> All right. All right. Plugs. Uh, John Field Show on YouTube's Community Access Show, produced at Brick Television. Also, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at America's Comic. Uh, and yeah, John's show is wild. That's you great. gotta you gotta see it. He has a friend of the show, Daniel J. Parafan, on there in the first episode, and uh, it's like uh, Mad TV gone rogue. Imagine that's if, that's that was John's pitch to me originally. <laughs> I think uh, it's a uh, it's like um. It takes place in that weird dark universe that Charlie Rose lives in, and just imagine if a teenager <laughs> had complete control of that universe. Nice, it's, the dark it's universe weird. of Charlie it, Rose. A lot of it comes from early television and early PBS, and um, I think it's a show that you will like and will speak to you. Cool. And Sam, hit me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sam Corey Rose. No E in that Corey. Uh, you can listen to my podcast, Ufology, that I do with my good friend Brian Bahi. Hot podcast. Uh, you can get it on iTunes, Blueberry.com. Uh, uh, great Blink-182 refs in it. Great great Blink-182 refs. Uh, I have a show. It's called Fetch, Fetch that I host with my good friend uh, Jess Reed. We're looking for a new home for that, so stay tuned. And um, I will be on Slugfest at Beauty Bar on January 26th. Ooh. All right. Left chest. Like and subscribe. We're at, yeah, please leave us a review Five on stars. iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud and Twitter. Thank Say you very much. Say something mean. Uh, yeah, please troll us. We need trolls. We need <laughs> to. All right. Fight hopefully me, this will get some. Hopefully this will get some old writers to uh, troll us. But thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back next week.